0: wish to greet each one in Jesus' name this morning. It's good to be here on what's unofficially maybe known as the first day of summer. This isn't the first day of summer, but this is when summer vacation starts. And so a lot of people think of it as the start of summer at least. Memorial Day. This morning I'd like to to share a message on things to remember, or to remember, memorialize. I'd like to take a little time just to think of, of what this weekend is as a national holiday. Uh, this is a Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day's on Monday. It's a weekend honoring the soldiers of our nation who have died in, in military service. If you look at the history a bit, the, the practice became widely accepted. Or maybe widely, pra- widely practiced at the end of the Civil War to honor the 6,000, 600,000 plus soldiers who had fallen during the, during the war. Men of our nation. It was first known as Decoration Day. The ladies placed flowers in the graves or decorated the graves of the fallen soldiers with, with flowers. And uh, later it was moved to the end of May for the stated reasons or reason that the flowers are an optimum bloom at the end of May. and became known as Memorial Day. It wasn't chosen as a day that honored a certain battle or a final battle or, or anything like that. It was just because it was a convenient time and, and that's when the flowers were blooming best according to the powers that were there. Then. Today, I believe we have good reason to, to honor those soldiers as well, those of our nation who have died in these wars. It says in Romans 13, uh, they're ministers of God. They, they don't bear the sword in vain. They're ministers of the govern, governing authorities of the nation where we reside. And we are appalled at the carnage, the loss of life, uh, loss of limb, not only in the Civil War, but also in the wars preceding and the wars following uh, the Civil War. And we realize as Christians as, as long as Christ isn't reigning supreme in people's hearts, that wars will continue. And, and this is just, this is just a, a fact of life. Wars will continue. You know, today our country has, has men serving in many parts of the world, including our own. And we do well to remember them in prayer, to honor them with prayer. First uh, Timothy 2, 1 says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So we're called to honor our men in authority. Uh, and that would include the ministers, these soldiers, uh, by praying for them, by giving them honor, that's due them as, as, uh, in their, in their uh, earthly calling. We do well to pause and appreciate, like Brother Leon mentioned, and thank God for the peace that we are, we have today, that we enjoy. Thanks in part to these these ministers for good, as it states in Romans 13.4. Men who gave up comforts of of home, family, and familiarity for hardship and battle and march. The men who suffered loss of life, loss of limb. They, these men deserve a respect. Maybe not the kind of respect that would call for our emulation. But the kind of respect that acknowledges the, the sacrifice and the faithfulness of another of our of our kind and honors him for that, for having done his service as he thought was best. And I think that it's a good call, a good time for us as, as Christians to really again pray for our nation and and for our leaders uh, we don't many respects we don't agree but we can pray we can we can honor them in every way uh, a possible memorial day is is generally thought of as the first day of of summer again and it's a busy time for for many people it's a time of planting and cultivating and strawberry harvest for the gardener and for the farmer it's construction season for the less fortunate of us. It's a time of year that we look forward to and we plan for. And before we know it, it's gone and it's behind us. And we're back to school again and back to uh, vacation days not being here anymore. Maybe being Memorial Day is a good time. Perhaps it's a good time at the beginning of summer for us to kind of collect ourselves a fitting time for us to to look back even as we look ahead and as we gear up for these busy days and that's what I'd like to do this morning to take some time to to think about what we have to remember and maybe that will give us help us Give us to give direction for where we're going and uh, to give us inspiration. Let's look at uh, Joshua 4.1. I'd like to look there for Scripture. Many of you know where this is going. You're familiar with Joshua. Uh, Joshua is a, an active uh, book. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun book to read. And it's, it's, a, it's a book of, of victory in many respects. Uh, as for me and for my house, where does that come from? It comes from Joshua, and you could finish it out. We will serve the Lord. You know, Choose ye this day whom you may serve, but Joshua says, as for me and my house. We know how the battles Joshua took on and, and, uh, and won by the help of the Lord. We break into this chapter here at the end of Moses' leadership. His leadership is up. Moses is is gone. He's dead. They haven't been able to find him to bury him. And uh, the 40 years or maybe 42 years have expired or gone past from, from the time that God has told the children of Israel that because of their disobedience and rebellion, all that one generation would pass away. And now God calls Joshua to, to move ahead. He says, Why are you waiting? Move on. Moses is dead. And you need to, to move ahead and, and get on to the other side. Uh, so we break into Joshua verse uh, chapter 4 here. Reading, be reading the entire chapter. And it came to pass when the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take up yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan. So now this is prior to them having crossed the Jordan. Uh, if you read a few chap- or a couple chapters before, Joshua was probably there meditating, figuring out how he's going to do battle, and, and a, a man came and and Joshua looks up and says, "You know, who are you? And uh, are you for us or against us?" And this man says, "I'm the Lord of Hosts." And and uh, he lets Joshua know he's going to be he's going to be moving him ahead and his people ahead, and that he was supposed to just listen and obey. And so here, um, he's Joshua's commanded. To take twelve stones from the from the middle of the Jordan. And and this is springtime here. The river, the Jordan River is in flood stage. Um I I was as I was studying this, I was looking at some pictures of the Jordan River and it appeared to me like it was maybe a bit smaller than the James River. Um, but it's a pretty good sized river. And and um even a smaller river than the James River, when it's in the spring stage, flooding stage, you know, it's not a river that you can just go out and cross. For sure, not a river you can go out to the middle of and pick up rocks and carry out. And so, so God is telling, and the Lord is telling Joshua here, take 12 stones. He's given him this command before they, before they even move ahead. Take for yourselves twelve stones from out from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. So I get this impression that this is in the morning and the Lord is saying by this evening you're going to be lodging somewhere else tonight and you're supposed to have these stones with you where you're at a place where the priest's feet stand firm. And this is from the middle of the Jordan. The Lord didn't have any doubt here where Joshua would be by that night. Um, he, he, He knew ahead of time that they would be lodging on the other side. And you know, that must have taken a real act of faith for Joshua to look across that river and say, I'm going to move this two, three, how many million people across this river today. They're going to be lodging on the other side by this evening. And... You know, another evidence that <clears throat> that uh, the river was roaring and high, which is a natural phenomenon in the spring. Uh, it's not so much so anymore because they've dammed it quite a bit. and They've used they use a lot of the Jordan for for uh, taking care of the people. But but then especially the river ran unhindered. Uh, was that there was no opposing army meeting them on the other side. They this thought that. The Canaanites were probably, they knew, that, they knew that the Israelites were over there, they knew that they were on their way, but they probably thought that this is going to happen sometime at the end of the summer when everything's pretty much dry and they can ford that river and they'd have time, the Canaanites probably thought they had time to, to plant, to sow their, sow their crops, get everything ready, and then they could assemble their army and prepare to meet the, the, the Hebrews in, in the fall. Of course, the Hebrews had been kind of wandering around over on the other side for quite a while anyways. But God, you know, the Lord just took him by surprise. He said, okay, we're ready to go now. And and the fact that this river is roaring, flooded, high stage, no deal. No big deal here. Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Now I've done this thing. How many of you, when you are on a vacation, climb a mountain or go somewhere will pick up a stone, pick up a rock and take it with you? I do that. I've done that a few times. My favorite rock is, and I may have related this, is one that I have Retazat written on. And uh, it's, a, it's a mountain we cl- climbed in Romania. Actually, I believe it was Carlin. and... I've climbed it a few times. Carla and Galen and I, it was from that trip, was the hardest hardest climb I've ever done in my life. It was The snow was pretty deep and it was really, really difficult. But anyways, I managed to get a rock. And... and uh, Wrote, wrote a on it, and I, I keep it on my desk. Kind of give it as, as a reminder. Well, these stones were, were much more of a memorial yet. Uh, the Lord didn't part snow for us going up that mountain. And He parted the waters. In fact, it says the waters backed all the way up to the, another city, to the city of Adam. And, uh, you know, you can only imagine what those people were thinking when the waters also backed up and also what the people downstream were, were thinking down towards the the salt sea or, th- or the dead sea when when uh Olson there was no more water it Olson must have just you know the last of the water trickled in and Olson everything was dead for what 12 hours maybe I don't know oh uh, that must have been that must have been pretty uh, impressive You know, they didn't choose these stones again because these stones weren't anything of great intrinsic value. They, the stones weren't precious in and of themselves off of that, sea, off that uh, riverbed. They were probably nice and smooth. But the reason they chose them is because they were off the riverbed, in the middle of that riverbed. And those, that was probably the only time that uh, people were going to be able to just go down and pick up stones out of the bottom of the Jordan River, middle of the river, and carry them out. It's probably the only time that could ever happen. So those were pretty significant stones. And, and the Lord is saying, take these stones out so, and, so that can, this can be a memorial for your children that you crossed over the Jordan. And I don't think it's just the Lord is telling them, you know, it's just something to look back to. Let's read on. Joshua four eight And the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. So we cover a lot of area here. All of a sudden where the Lord told them to do it and then all of a, and then all of a sudden, we're on the other side. They they grabbed the stones, took them, and and laid them down to the other, at the other side where they're lodging. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest who had bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and there, and they are there to this day. So the priest who bore the Ark stood up, stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, and the people hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass, when, the, when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people, and the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priest who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priest, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel... Crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he had dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. It's pretty significant here. You know, they. God used something very material, and He told them, He commanded them to use something very material to to remind them of what had happened. And I think that's one thing for us to to, to remember. It's really important for us to remember is the goodness of God. I'm going to call this the goodness of God. Looking back at the goodness of God, our deliverance from from sin, from Egypt. Looking back, remembering what it was like before that. You know, what have we Set up in place? Have we, have we said you know? Have we set up any stones there? This was then. God delivered us. We crossed, we crossed uh, that river, and we're on the other side. I, I'm always blessed when I talk to people who say you know, uh, I became a Christian. I for me, I'm not that great with dates. I remember when I became a Christian, but I'm always blessed with people who can remember. I always you know became saved so and so date at so and so you know and. They have it down, and and, you know how we'll relate how that they're the change that came into their lives when they became a Christian. I believe that's important. Maybe the dates, not so much, but I think we need to be able to look back and say, you know, this is when I this is when God brought me out of sin, out of bondage. Christ has defeated the enemy. Uh, Hebrews 10.11, thinking of the goodness of God. Hebrews 11 10 verse 11 says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering, stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice which can never take away sin. But this man, after he'd offered one sacri- sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. So this one man, Jesus Christ, He sat down at the right hand. It's a position of power. And he sat down. He didn't stand as one serving, but sat down at the right hand of God. And and basically says the following, that the battle has been won. It says here in verse 13, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his foot still. So he's saying after he had sacrificed once for sin, he sat down. It was only the battle's done. The stake is in place. The power of evil's conquered. And he waited until his enemies made his foot still. Only a matter of God's perfect timing. For by one offering he perfected forever those who are being sanctifi- sacri- sanctified. I'm sorry. One offering he per- perfected forever those who are being sanctified a process, not necessarily a, a one-time happening, but those who are being sanctified or being made holy. But the Holy Scripture also witnesses to us for after He said that said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days said the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then He adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Remembering the goodness of God again, God, Christ having having done this, sat down, having done this, given Himself as a sacrifice, sitting down now, he's put that stake in, and, and the battles, the battle being won for us, um, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. I will put my laws into their hearts. Now the Lord knew that the Hebrews had many, many more battles ahead of them. He knew that uh, he he knew Jericho was coming up. He also knew AI was coming up, and uh, he knew that the Canaanites would need to be moved out of their homes. Uh, nevertheless, he commanded them to to pick up these stones and and make that make that memorial there. Uh, I also have to wonder how many you know, men and little boys grabbed stones as they were going across as well and put them in their pockets. I can, I can uh, imagine that maybe quite a few stones left the, the Jordan River that day. Um, Jesus knows the battles that are ahead for each one of His people as well. However, in the grand scheme of things, the battle's been won. We have the memorial of the cross. We can look back. But that doesn't mean that this is where we're supposed to camp right there, you know, at the, on the other side of the Jordan. It doesn't mean we're supposed to stay right around the stones, but it means it gives us something to look back to, something to know this is where we came from. This is what took place in our lives. Now it's time to move, a, move ahead, remembering that, the goodness of God. I think another thing for us to remember is to number our days. Especially maybe in summertime when we get so busy and we have these things to do and we want to get done and we and, uh, want to plant things. Maybe we want to go on vacation somewhere and we, uh, we just have, you know, uh, want to be a little further ahead this fall than we were last fall maybe. I don't know if, that, if that's the way your life works, but that's the way mine can tend to work. Psalm 90, verse 12 says, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We are finite. At the end, we're finite. We're temporary here on this earth. Our power is limited. We can't do but so much. And um, you know, much as we like to think that we can control our lives and our surroundings, we really can't do but so much teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Colossians 1:13 says he has delivered us from the power of darkness Christ and conveyed us into the kingdom of his of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before Christ, is before all things, and in him, in Christ, all things consist. So all things are held together by Christ. You know, when I when I read that scripture, I am I'm again impressed, you know, that that uh, it's wise for me to number my days. I mean, because Christ is before all things. He's the image of the invisible God. And by Him and through Him, all things are held together. That includes, you know, this earth in which we live, this includes the grand universe. And, you know, so much more than what we realize. You know, why would I think that uh, I can kind of... um, Get ahead of God, or I can, you know, be a, be a, be my own boss, so as to speak. When I really stop and look at at uh, who is uh, in control of everything, and furthermore, like we had in our Sunday school lesson this morning, we look at His sacrifice, His love for us. You know, why why wouldn't I sit down and wisely number my days and uh, Why wouldn't we do that? Remember that we're really quite finite. We're quite small. Maybe there's a section here that we should forget as well. Maybe we should remember to forget. I jotted down a few things that I thought we should forget. Or remember to forget. Uh, one is our own accomplishments, our own perceived accomplishments. Maybe we should remember to forget some of the, some of those a little bit more. Um, Elise and I were talking about this a bit, and uh, it's just interesting. You know, in the in the in the uh, life of business, it's all about self-promotion and promoting your product and. Saying you know yours is just a little bit better, and why yours might be. You know, you, you don't say that others are bad, but you point out why yours are so good, and and uh, so forth. It's kind of the paradox of of uh, I don't know if I could say the Christian businessman. Uh, but, you know, you really do have to sell your product. The marketplace is, is tight. And, you, and, and it, there's, I don't believe there's anything wrong with it. You, you need to articulate what your product is and, and let ma- people make a decision. It doesn't require tearing other people down. But uh, I think it's important for us to not base our trust on what we've done or on an accomplishment. We do have to sell our product. However, our hope isn't built on our product. Our hope, hope isn't built on, on our creativity. Our hope is built on our Creator, and and we need to remember that. Another thing to forget, to remember, to forget is the faults of our brother, the faults of our fellow brethren. Um, though he can sin against you seventy times seven, and Remembering that 70 times 7 maybe is what we should remember. Um, That's a lot of times. And maybe another thing to remember to forget is our own past failings um, and sins, providing that they've been washed in the blood and restitution has been made. need to remember to to forget what's behind. Providing it's Behind, and and uh, and Christ has, and it's been forgiven, and restitution has been made. We need to forget and move ahead. I'm sure you could add to that list. This morning, I'm not going to take the time to to ask for for more to be added on, but I'm. But I 'm sure you can be thinking of of others that things to forget. Another thing I believe that we need to remember are our, our decisions, our commitments. An important thing to remember. We put stakes down in our life. Um, my My mind was drawn to this uh, passage about about uh, the rich man and Lazarus. And, there, and Abraham says something interesting here. He says to the, to the rich man, he said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. And it was, this was kind of an intimate way of addressing the rich man. I believe that both Lazarus and the rich man were sons of Abraham. And, and he says, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. Remembering remembering our decisions is important. Our commitments or maybe even lack of commitments. Decisions have long-term implications. The rich man made his decisions and Lazarus made his decision as well. And it does us well to look back at our decisions. You know, where are they taking us? You know, are they taking us the right direction? Have there been good decisions? Have the decisions we've made, have they been good? You know, many of us have made good decisions. Decisions to follow Christ. Decisions to be part of a local body of Christ. Decisions to take another for a lifetime companion, to love and cherish. I believe it's a good time for us to, to look back at those decisions and those commitments. You know, are we being faithful to those? Are we uh, giving those diligence? And, and, and uh, are we committed like we should be? It's a good time also to look at you know, whether we should be making decisions or not. And looking at where we're going, have we crossed the Jordan? And does that Jordan just look too big and too bad? Um, you know, we're not going to go onto the Promised Land if we don't cross the Jordan first. We don't take the faith step of faith, put our feet in the water. Another, another. Um, remember list on the another item on the remember list is the lost now i don't believe and i'm not going to spend much time here but i, I don't believe remembering the lost should be too difficult for us for for any true believer i don't believe it should be a difficulty you know, we tend to talk about to promote you know what's really important to us you had a good experience at sweet frog you tell other people that sweet frog you know, ice cream or yogurt's the best. Uh, you had a bad experience somewhere, people tend to tell other people about it. Um, so, as Christians, I believe that, you know, if we're living the, the Spirit-filled life, that remembering the lost, remembering to, to, to feel for the needs of, of those around us that aren't believers, I think is, is going to be a part of our makeup. Part, maybe I, I could say a part of our DNA. We're we're going to to uh, you know they're going to see it first of all in us, and, and we'll we'll share that. But I think it does do us well at times just to sit back and think a bit. Maybe think about that person you know is lost in your life, um, and think about you know what their what is they the fate the. Of the unbeliever, what is the state? You know, the final state of the unbeliever, and think about also, you know, the the unrest and the um, lack of purpose and so forth you felt in your own life before you knew the Lord. Sometimes it does us well to to go back, to think a bit, and to uh, helps us maybe to relate and empathize a bit more with that with that unbeliever that we have contact with. Also, let's not forget to remember the body of Christ. Those who serve among us. Those who are our brothers and sisters. Those in bonds. Going a little further. We don't have anyone this morning we're blessed, or we can appreciate that we don't have anyone from our midst here that is serving jail time for his faith or for her faith because she refuses or he refuses to recant their belief. Uh, that's not been the case for many, many, many Christians throughout history. And there's many today in our, that are many congregations that are probably part of their prayer requests were remembering so-and-so brother who's in prison because of his faith or so-and-so sister uh, who has a trial coming up because of their faith. Um, I believe it does us well to, to uh, remember those in bonds, to, to, to read publications, um, Voice of the Martyrs, CM, other public, you know, publications of, of, of people who are currently serving prison time for, for their faith and to pray for them. They're part of our extended body. Those in distress the widow and the fatherless, like it says in James one twenty-seven, And those heroes of faith, those in our own Anabaptist background and those that go further, um, those heroes of faith, I think it does us well to remember, like in Hebrews 11 and 12, I think it does us well to remember those that really... um, Went and gave the ultimate sacrifice for the good of their people. They didn't give up for Christ, and in doing so, they became real heroes of for us to look back to. We were in uh, Switzerland and and stop uh, when we were in Romania. We we went on a little trip over to to uh, Western Europe. Stopped by, I think it's called. Thraxelwald, I don't know exactly, I don't remember exactly how it's spelled, but I I believe that's how it's pronounced, Thraxelwald Castle, where a lot of uh, Christians were kept, a lot of Anabaptists were kept, I think there's a number of 450 that rings in my mind, many died there of cold, and also of of even starvation. but a lot were held there during the cold of the winter, the dead of the winter, to be taken to Bern, Switzerland. But what impressed me when, I, when we were there is you know, walking up those winding steps, chiseled out, you could just barely get up. And then coming up, and you, you, there, was the, there was the shackles and so forth. And, uh, and then written on these walls were, were so many um, Anabaptist names. And Trubers, Yoders, Hirschbergers, uh, you name it, the names were there except for Schrock that I could tell. And, uh, you know, it, it, it did impress me. It was part of it. Part of what impressed me is that I was there, I had no fear. You know, I have a picture of Clayton and I looking out the little hole there and we're smiling. And I was showing that to Tricia last evening. You know, we're looking out, we're in the cell, and Lisa, I think, closed the door and took a picture of Clayton, Clayton and I looking out, and we're both having a smile on our face. And I was looking at Tricia, I was looking at that picture with Tricia last evening, I said, do you think that if we'd have been there like this, Christians were there, that we would have been smiling like that? You know, the, 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 the fear that would have been natural for the, for the people being taken because of their faith in Christ and, and put into those little cells. Um, you know, but by the grace of God, that smile wouldn't have been on our face. We would have been very apprehensive. And uh, saw all those names there. People who had the means to get there to, to look, you know, look at this castle to see where their Anabaptist forefathers had suffered. I think that's great. It, it can do something for us to, to be at a place like that, to, to see that. I think it does as well to really reflect on, on the sacrifice, on their commitment. You know, do we have an, enough commitment to keep our commitments to, to Christ and to, to uh, our local body? What about those people who, who went so much further? They gave life and, and uh, the comforts of life for their, for their commitment to Christ. And for their for their fellow men, it's a challenge to me. Maybe a good closing thought would be, "Lord, teach us to number our days." Uh, we, it's like uh, like Psalm one hundred says, um, "We are the sheep of His pasture." It is He that created us. We are not. In, we are not our own. Um, all those Jordan rivers that we've crossed have been have been uh, because of the grace of God. When we look back, we need to remember to think on the grace of God, and that should bring a response from us in moving ahead should bring a positive response from us when we think of moving ahead. God bless you.